0: going to take our text out of Acts chapter number 9, that song, Let My Life uh, Be Alive. You know, every one of us, our lives should be alive uh, to a lost and a dying world. And I, as I as I thought and as I prayed and I, I, I really went back and forth, I won't tell you this morning that uh, the message that I'm about to preach was given to me this morning. I have thought about these texts for a couple of weeks, but I just wasn't sure uh, when the Lord would have me use them. And uh, boy, the Lord just 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 burdened my heart this way uh, during the Sunday school hour, and I feel like this is what the Lord would have us to do. So Acts chapter number nine. While you pray for us this morning, Acts chapter number nine and verse number one. The Bible said, "In Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, one under the high priest, and desired of him letters." ...to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. It wasn't enough for Saul of Tarsus, who we recognize as Paul, uh, it wasn't enough for him to be uh, willing to see Christians persecuted. It wasn't enough for him uh, to have letters to do such a thing himself, but he was so zealous... Uh, that he was desirous. He was looking for a reason, looking for a cause, if you will, uh, to go out and to uh, uh, to require uh, permission to bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And really my heart this morning is just the contrast and the difference of the life of Paul, when he was Saul, yet he he, he got changed on the road to Damascus for the marvel, and, and we now know him as Paul. And what a difference this made in this man's life! We see we see no contrast in anyone's life. I don't know anyone that's been changed for the grace of God that we can contrast the difference of salvation and the effects of salvation in their life like we do Paul. We see a man that went from being so hard on the believer and so hard on those that were saved and believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to the poor opposite. Now he's willing to lay his body down. Now he's willing to go through the very things that he was doing to Christians for the cause of Christ. What a difference that that, that this makes in his life. But we see here, uh, the Bible said as he journeyed. He came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, let me say to you quickly, uh, just by introduction, we've got a longer introduction than we got a message. Hang with me. And we'll give you what the Lord's laid on our heart. But the Lord Jesus Christ is telling this to Saul. He's saying, why persecutest thou me? In other words, you need to understand that every believer that died or lost their life or was persecuted or bound or sent to prison because of their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ by the hands of Saul, the Lord is saying, Saul, you're persecuting me when you do that. Now, I would like for you to to know or to recognize and understand this morning, if you don't get much more out of what I'm preaching than this, the Bible said in Matthew 12 and verse number 30, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. We see that Paul, or Saul rather, of Tarsus was harming the church of Christ. And I want you to know today that if you free and are out of the will of God this morning and you friend are not where the Lord wants you to be in your relationship with Hiyama if you have allowed sin or something to creep into your life that's you, causing you friend not to be where God wants you to be you are not with the Lord yes you're saved by relationship you are you are a child of the King but as far as your fellowship and communion and your connection to that of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit there has been, that fellowship has been severed and because that fellowship has been severed and you have gone astray. You understand that you do not have the ability to approach the throne of grace, to find mercy and grace to help in time of need, unless you've come by way of repentance first. And so, therefore, that there's there's no there's no fellowship, there's a relationship, but there's no fellowship. And because there's no fellowship, you cannot be led of the Spirit of God. Now the Holy Spirit will deal with your heart, he will chasten you as a child. But you're not being led of the spirit of God. And the Bible said he that is not with me is against me. What scares me to death to think that I could be born again child of God. But be wreaking havoc on the church. To be wreaking havoc in the local assembly. To be causing problems amongst God's people. Because I was not where God wanted me to be. And so as I consider this situation here. The Bible says that as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. The Suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Boy, that's what I want to preach on this morning. Lord, what will they have me to do? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know I don't know who this message is for. But I'll tell you this, friend, you need to stop and consider the severity of these verses of scripture to understand that if you're not with him, that you are against him, and the very one that bled and died and hung on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood that you might be born again and saved by the marvelous grace of God, that you, friend, you can be the very one that's wreaking havoc you know, with the church. And so As I consider these verses of Scripture, the Bible said me trembling and astonished today. Oh, there was a fear. There was a fear because he understood, Brother Gene, at this very moment on the road to Damascus, that everything he'd done up until this point, the severity of what he had done. He had not only had persecuted an individual, not only had he hurt a life, but he had hurt an almighty God. The very one that he thought that he was serving and so as I, as I thought about these verses of Scripture, Paul trembled and was astonished and said, Lord, what will I have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, the, the, the question this morning should be from you to the Lord. Lord, what will you have me to do? And I'm afraid some of us know what the Lord would have us to do. I'm afraid some of us this morning are aware of what the Lord would have us to do, but through rebellion or pride or whatever we have chosen not to do or go where God has told us to go or do what God has told us to do. But then there's some, I want to say this, that may, maybe they need to stop and ask the question this morning and say, Lord, what do you want me to do as an individual uh, in my life for you? And the Bible said, what will I have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless hearing a voice but seeing no man and Saul arose from the earth And when his eyes were opened he saw no man but they led him by the hand and brought him under Damascus you know his his eyelids were shut as he was talking to the Lord and asking the Lord what would you have me to do I want to say this, this all is open this morning. If you need to do business with God, you don't have to wait on me to give the invitation. You can come by your head, close your eyes and talk to the Lord. And just between you and the Lord, ask the Lord what will I have me to do. And don't worry about everybody else that was around you. Paul, what, Saul, wasn't concerned about all the men that was with him over to Damascus. He was concerned about getting with God and finding out what he had done with the Lord Jesus to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had, open, he had open ears to hear the Lord. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened. He saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. Now, say, so why did he? Why did he find himself in this position? Why? Why did he go three days without eating or drinking? Now, I've made this statement before uh, in other messages, but you understand the body does not need to go more than three days without water, or you'll succumb to death. You have to have the water to sustain life, right? So we understand Paul here has just met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He's been changed. He's experienced uh, uh, this this life. He's had a life-changing experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he has, and he's obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd done what the Lord told him to do, but he didn't have any sight. And he was three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. And and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said to the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, "Behold, I am here, Lord." And the Lord said to him, "Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth." So I want to say this: we understand here that Saul, who is now Paul, brother Gene, was in prayer. He was talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, this man that had devoted his life to killing God's people and hurting God's people is now without his sight and without eating and without drinking, praying to the Lord. I believe he was distressed in his heart. I believe, I believe Saul had to come to terms with what he had done. I wish to God tonight or this morning that we could understand, number one, that we have harmed the church when we get out of the will of God. And I wish we could understand the severity and the weight of understanding of knowing that. And then I wish it could work in our heart that of godly sorrow. Godly sorrow works that of repentance. We need to be broken hearted this morning for what we've done, not only by going against the holy, righteous God, but the havoc and the problems and the troubles that we've caused God's people and the church today, friend. We need to understand that. said that he was three days without sight. Neither did he eat nor drink. I believe he was heartbroken. I believe he couldn't help but recall in his mind over and over and over what he had done. See, as he was doing it, Brother Marvin, he didn't understand the severity or the weight of what he was doing. There's a lot of us that have done things and have gone through things and have allowed ourselves to involve ourselves in things that at the time we did not understand the severity or the weight of the matter. But when he understood Oh, the weight of it almost crushed him. He got born again, but he still almost died. Say, what do you mean? Well, he didn't eat for three days and he didn't drink. He was distressed. You talk about a man that was so messed up mentally because of what he, he had done to God's people. And understanding that not only did he hurt God's people, but he hurt the very God that he thought that he was serving. And it distressed him beyond belief. The weight of the matter just really sunk in. On him now. If you go, if you go to Acts chapter number twenty-two, turn to Acts twenty-two and hold your place in Acts chapter number nine. As you turn to Acts chapter number twenty-two, we're going to look at a few things here quickly, and uh, then we're going to we're going to read a few more verses of Scripture. I'll try to give you the final thoughts, and we'll be done this morning. But we look at Acts chapter number twenty-two, and as we consider here verses three through five, this is Paul. telling his uh, evil if you will against God's people see we understand that Paul here has been bound and uh, the, the the centurions have come and arrested him but basically they saved his life at the same time he was fixing to die because of the very things that he was preaching and telling about we see a man here that was killing the Christians but now was laying his own life aside or or willing to lay it down for that of God. But he said here as he, uh, as he was arrested, he, wanted, he asked of, the, uh, of the, the Roman soldiers if he could uh, speak and address the very people that tried to kill him. He didn't, waste, he didn't waste any opportunity. He's actually got the security of the Roman soldiers, and he's going to go ahead and preach to them. But he wants to do more than just preach to them. He wants to share his personal testimony. You know, you may not be able this morning to take a King James Bible and work you up a five point, uh, a five point uh, uh, admonition, but you can tell people what the Lord done for you. Paul did say this. He said, I am verily a man, which am a Jew. This is chapter 22, verse three. Born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous towards God as ye all are this day. So in other words, he said, I was just like you. The very thing that you're trying to do to me is the very thing that I tried to do to everyone else that claimed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Now I persecuted this way unto the death Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Brother Gene, he is admitting and standing before these people, telling them that not only did he kill people, but he killed men, he killed women, he bound them, he brought them into jail. He did not care about them on an individual level. And also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom I also received letters unto the brethren, And went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound into Jerusalem for to be punished. Now, if you read 19 uh, through 20, we go on here and we find uh, that Paul talks about, uh, talks not just about Stephen, but look who he's talking to about Stephen. Let's back up to verse number 17. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while... I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, so he's, he's revealing to these people as he's giving his testimony, the conversation that he had between him and the Lord. Now, I don't know, but you need to grasp this. We we talk about Stephen, but understand that out of everybody that Paul killed, out of everybody that Paul consented unto their death, out of everybody that Paul witnessed bound to go to prison, out of every woman that he drug out of a home by the hair of her head and drug her out through the streets like a dog. Yeah, it was that vile friend. To grab a man's wife or to grab a woman's husband and to grab them up and drag off with them knowing that they were going to give their life. And of everybody, this particular man somehow sticks out in Paul's mind. There's no telling brother gene how many hundreds or thousands of people lost their lives by the hands of Paul. But this man, this man stands out in Paul's mind. And this is what he says when the Lord is telling him that he needs to lead to Jerusalem for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. He said, Lord, they know I'm imprisoned and beaten in every synagogue of them that believe on thee. These people are aware. These people witnessed what i done, Lord. These people seen what i done. Said, and when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by. Do you know there's still some guilt in his life? <laughs> I believe, Brother Gene, that Paul, of all the things that he had gone through and all the things that he done, he, he had a hard time shaking the guilt that was on his life personally, understanding the severity of what he had done to God's people. And do you realize today that I stand before you behind this pulpit, this sacred desk, breaking the word of, of, of life, the bread? And trying to give it to the flock of God, knowing that I could be this very same person in this very same situation. All it would take is for me to get out of the will of the Lord. All it would take is for me to let sin in my life. All it would take is for me to get out of the house of God and to go back out into this world. And if those that are not with Him, friend, are against Him, I could be this very same. I could do this very same thing. He said, and when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and considering unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, this was God's or the Lord's reply. He said, and he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. In other words, you're going to go where I'm telling you to go. And although the Lord did have a place and a, and a, and a, and a uh, some instruction paul even though paul was deep into the gentiles paul never was far from that moment in time when he stood there and watched stephen give his life and cry out unto the lord and say lord forgive them they don't know what they do that made an impact and i believe all through paul's ministry and all through paul's life paul could not get rid of the guilt because he understood the severity what he had done. I want to say this, there's some of us, it'd be healthy for us to realize what we've done. And realize the severity of where we're at in our life. But then on the other hand, I want you to understand something, it'd really be good for some of us to take that guilt and use it for the right reason, the right purpose. You know, sometimes when I when I when I get to the place where I want to stop, or temptation comes up in my life, and the devil jumps on my shoulders and says, You ought to just go ahead. And head down that road, I can't help but think about not only what I have done, not only what I have done, but what I could do this very day if I allow myself to get into that mess. I'm afraid today we consider only ourselves. So Paul talks to the Lord about Stephen. We consider Stephen, and I don't have time to read it this morning. I jotted this down, but we, you can go back to Acts chapter number 7 and read about Stephen preaching before the council. And in Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60, you find Stephen's faithfulness to Christ and compassion towards the lost as they were killing him. I believe that Paul, the compassion that Stephen exemplified, is what grabbed the attention of, of, of Paul. And then in Acts chapter uh, number eight, just quickly, let's turn to Acts chapter number eight. We'll thumb through here for just a second. Acts chapter number eight, verses one through four, we see right after Stephen has, uh, has passed away and was martyred here in chapter number eight, verse number one, we find here that and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, this very man we're preaching about that's met the Lord on the road to Damascus. It says, as for Saul, he made a havoc of the church. Entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Man, he knows, he understands after he's been changed and after he's experienced the Lord on the road to Damascus, he is aware of what a mess up he has been. He is aware of not only his situation, but what he's done in households all across the land. Wouldn't it be a sad thing to understand that us getting out of the will of the Lord and us going against the Lord and us uh, 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 not being where he wants us to be not only will hurt us as an individual, not only will hurt our home, not only will hurt our church, but it's hurting homes everywhere for you. He that is not with me is against me. It's possible friend, for you to have been saved by the grace of God. To be a child of the King, yet not be with Him this morning. And if you're in that situation this morning, friend, you are scattering abroad. That's weighty. That's heavy. Then I consider uh, First Corinthians chapter number fifteen. Let's read First Corinthians chapter number fifteen for, for excuse me for just a few minutes. Chapter fifteen, verse number nine. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, number 15, understanding now that this is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. He says in Acts chapter, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 9, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle. Now, you and I, as we study the scripture and we look at the life of Paul, You've heard me say it. He's, he's a preacher among, among preachers. I mean, he, he as far as I'm concerned, apart from Jesus Christ, was one of the best preachers that ever hit shoe leather. And And he was faithful and he was sincere and, and he was he was uh, anxious to preach and zealous to preach. But he said this about himself For I am the least of the apostles. That I am that not meet to be called an apostle. This is why he feels this way. This is why. Paul feels this way. Because I persecuted the church of God. He couldn't forget it. I believe there was times in Paul's life he would like to have forgotten it. He would have liked to have known that he hadn't done those things. Listen, there's a lot of us today that would like to have known that we have not done the things we've done, but we cannot change what we were. We cannot change what we have done. I'll say this, we can change who we are today. And we can change what we do tomorrow. And we from this point forward can do and follow the will of the Lord and not hurt the church of God. Since "For I am the least of the apostles and am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But listen, I love this. By the grace of God, I am what I am he understood that he wasn't a place in his life where he did not deserve to be and I believe that every time that maybe the things got hard and trouble showed up in his life he couldn't help but think about the blessings of God and where the Lord had brought him can I say don't let what you used to be or what you have done keep you from doing what God wants out of your life Listen, he said that by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He's saying, when I got changed, I never forgot what I was. I never forgot what I did do, but I'll say this. He said, my life from this point forward was not in vain. I purposed in my life, knowing and remembering what I had done to hurt the Lord, that I never, ever, ever wanted to do it again. And he said, when the Lord changed me, it was not in vain. Let me ask you something: Has the Lord saved you? Has the Lord, has the Lord brought you to a place in your life where you, where you were, were born again? You knew you was a sinner in need of a savior, and you, you, knew, you, found out who He was and the free pardon of sin. But somewhere along the way, uh, your relationship to the Lord has found itself erected on the rocks of vanity. He said, "But I labored more abundantly than they all." Now this is this is this is an amazing. Two verses of scripture. Because what you find in these two verses of scripture. Brother Shane. Is a man that claims that he is the least. Among all apostles. But in the next verse. Said, I've done more than all of them. Now how, how is that possible? What he's saying is. He never lost his humility. to Because of what he was. he knew where he come from. And he knew that everything he was. Was only because the Lord. Had made him that way. And he said that he purposed not to to let what the Lord done in his life be in vain. So because he kept that in his mind, he caused him to do and work harder, more abundantly than all that worked with him. Can I say this? You may have done some things you're not proud of. You may have done some things you wish you had not done. But rather than let those things keep you out of the service for the Lord, You ought to let it drive you on to be more than all of the rest of us, friend. You can take what you have done that's wrong in your life. You can take what you have done that has caused you to wreak havoc upon the church and do more for the cause of Christ than others around you if you will channel that, friend, in the right direction. But I'll say this, you'll have to do it from a platform of humility. Never forgetting what you was, or what God's brought you from. Boy, I tell you what, sometimes if a person's not careful, they can think they have arrived and found themselves at the place where they're doing something for you. I I, I look at where God's brought me and sometimes I forget but geez, how I got here. Boy, I've been a, long, it's been a long, long journey to where I'm at today. And I may have a long, long journey ahead of me, but when I look at where I am and where God brought me from, it's an amazing thing that I'm here today. When I talk to my wife and we talk about her childhood and the things that's gone on in her life and we see where we're at today and where God's brought us from, it's been a long, long journey for you. But I tell you what, I have to thank God that I am what I am this morning by His marvelous grace. Well, it's not anything that I've done today, friend, but it's everything that he's done and everything that he is. And I am what I am because he bestowed his grace upon me. Not worthy of it this morning. I got news for you. You're not worthy of it this morning either. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Then he's saying everything that I did do, wasn't even me that done it. He's saying, I've done more than all the rest. But it really wasn't me that done it, it was the Lord. Even when you think that he's going to give himself some credit, he don't give himself the credit he gives to the Lord. Anything that Paul accomplished or done for the cause of Christ, he done it through the Lord. And he knew it and was aware of it. Now, he, he attributes all of this, Brother, uh, Brother Gene, he attributes all of this to grace. Everything that's happening right here is because of grace. Something that Paul knows that he did not deserve. So, can I say this? Grace has saved Paul. Grace has kept Paul going. Grace has caused Paul to accomplish some things. So understanding this, he was first saved by grace. And that means that what the Lord done for him, he didn't deserve to have done for him. Paul understood, number one, I don't deserve what's happened to me. When he's blind and for three days can't see and he won't eat and he won't drink, I believe he's just amazed, number one, that God, the God of heaven could look down on him and even care about him enough to save him. I believe he was having a hard time getting over the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to him, give him the time of day, and then saved him by his marvelous grace. Bible said Ephesians 2.8, also Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Paul not only didn't deserve it, but thanks be to God, Paul knew that he didn't deserve it. Boy, it would be a good day if we could just ever get to the place where we realize that what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't deserve it. So saved by grace. Paul was saved by his grace. Paul was kept by his grace. Paul was continuing, able to move forward because of God's grace. You won't keep going in this thing without God's grace. And then we understand that he's capable because of grace. How so? He's just a willing vessel Just yielded his life. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Just whatever's necessary for me to have your power, and whatever's necessary for me to, to, to go through, to have what I need, to do what you want me to do. Paul was just willing. Now, let me say this. All of this in Paul's life is because of grace. It's grace that saved us. It's grace that's kept us. It's grace that will keep us going. We're not going to get saved without His grace, that unmerited favor. We're not going to be kept without the grace, the unmerited favor. And we're not going to be able to continue on in this thing without grace, the unmerited favor. But here's what I notice about Paul Paul never lost the humility. Because the reason Paul never lost the humility is Paul never lost the understanding of what he was when he was found by the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Lord done in his life. If you could remember, first of all, if you could understand what you was, and if you could understand what you've done, then you could understand what he's done for you in spite of the fact you didn't deserve it. It would change your outlook on the rest of your life. You may be saved this morning, but yet have gone astray. You need to go back and consider. You need to go back and remember what you was. A lot of people, too, I want to say this. A lot of people are disqualifying themselves. From moving forward for the cause of Christ. Because the very pride that got them out of the will of God. Is also keeping them out of the will of God. If Paul. If the Lord Jesus Christ can take a man like Saul. Change his life and put him on a road towards the things of God. He can take you friend. And do the very same thing. Don't let the pride that got you out of the will of God. Keep you out of the will of God. He can make a difference in your life today, friend. He wants to make a difference in your life. But now listen to me. Grace saved him. Grace has kept him. And grace is why he's continuing on in the things of the Lord. How do we have grace? And that sounds like a, uh, an elementary statement, but you really need to consider it for just a moment. How do we have grace? Grace. 1 Peter 5 and 5 tells us God resisted the proud. He puts his hands out and says no to the proud. He won't allow you any closer because of the pride. But it says this, he said, but giveth grace to the humble. <laughs> you know, Paul had everything he needed in the Lord through grace, but it come from one ingredient in his life. Out of humility. And he had the humility because he never forgot what he was or what God brought him from. Maybe this morning what you need is just a reality check of where you've been and what God wants to do with your life, what you've done. Maybe you need to just understand this morning that you've caused some trouble in the house of God. Maybe you need to understand that you've caused some problems with the people of God because you've allowed yourself to go wayward. And really and truly, the pride that kept you out is the pride that's going to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And the longer that you stay out, the more trouble and the more havoc and the more homes are you're going to distress. He that's not with me is against me. You know what we need today is to be with him. You know how we get with him. We have to have the grace. You know how have to get grace. We come before the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Mercy comes before grace. And the only way you'll have mercy is by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and telling the Lord that you are sorry for what you are. You're sorry for what you are. And you need His help. You won't get the grace until you get the mercy today for you. Quickly, let me read you a quick verse of scripture here. I probably ought to preach this tonight, but we'll give you a little of it right now, okay? Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. I do not intend to deal with this whole chapter. Just want to read you one, one quick uh, portion of this chapter here. Now you can make a two-fold application out of Luke chapter number 15. We understand that the, the Lord Jesus Christ come for the lost house, lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? So we can deal with Luke chapter number 15, at least a portion of it, with the, the lost individual that's never been saved by the grace of God, yet we can also look at the, the one that's been saved by the grace of God and has gone astray. You can make a twofold application out of these verses of Scripture, at least a portion of them. But I'm interested in Luke chapter 15, and verse number 3. The Bible said, and He spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Number one, I want to say this. I'm thankful there was a day, Brother Marvin, when I was lost and undone and did not know him in the free pardon of sin. The Bible said he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he came looking for me. And boy, I thank God for that because you see, I wasn't capable of saving myself, but I needed one to seek me out and find me. Maybe you're here this morning, lost and undone, never been saved in all this grace of God. You need to understand something: that He wants you, regardless of what you've done. But listen. Regardless of where you've been, if he can save Saul of Tarsus, friend, he can save you by the marvelous grace of God this morning. But maybe you've been saved. Maybe you know what it is to have accepted him in the free parting of sin. I want you to understand this. Maybe you've gone astray. Maybe you've left the sheep said, what matter of you having a hundred sheep if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. So, I like this. When you get wavered, if you say by the grace of God, I'm thankful he never stops chasing you back. See, you you get frustrated. Miss Weekly, come on to the piano. Brother Margaret, you find a song. I want you to leave the invitation. You you get with Miss Weekly and find a song. I want you to understand something. He never stopped looking. And sometimes we, when we get out of the the will of God, we we get to a place in our life where we're sick of hearing about it. We're sick of people coming to us. We're sick of people talking to us. We're sick of people bothering us about it. We just want to be left alone. I thank God that he didn't leave me alone. I thank God that he kept coming back. I thank God that he kept knocking on my door. And one day, Brother Gene, I accepted him. There's been a few times in my life where I've got wayward and I've gone astray and I thank God that he, that he left the 99 and he came down there to where I was at and looked for me. And he did not stop. Aren't you glad that he didn't stop looking for you? We didn't deserve it today, friend. The Bible said when he has found it, he left it. Boy, if you could get the magnitude of this verse of scripture, he'd change your life. It said "And when he has found it, Brother, Brother Shane, when he found that he didn't beat it, <laughs> when he found that he didn't punch it upside the head or kick it, when he found that he reached down, Brother Gene, and he picked it up. Not only did he pick it up, but he put it on his shoulders. Can I say to you this morning no matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you've been, no matter where you've went, you can be as close to God this very moment as you've ever been in your life why because when he found the sheep and he picked the sheep up he put the sheep on his shoulders the 99 that was left back in the, the pasture wasn't as close was not as close to the shepherd as that one that had done his prey you'll never be closer to the Lord than you are when you get on your hands and knees and you repent of the very sin that's with your life, and you tell the Lord that you want to be right with him, and you want to go where he goes, and, friend, he'll take you places that you cannot take yourself.
1: And although your pride may keep you
0: from getting back to the chief, if you don't humble down, friend, he'll pick you up and take you back to the fold. And you can be as close to the Lord this morning as you've ever been. Let's all stand to our feet.